0: Book One, Chapter Six of Toussaint L'Ouverture, a Biography and Autobiography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Toussaint L'Ouverture, a Biography and Autobiography by John Relly Baird. Book One, Chapter Six continued collision of the planters the mulattoes and the negroes the planters willing to receive english aid the negroes espouse the cause of louis xvi arrival of commissioners from france negotiations resumption of hostilities toussaint gains influence the direful efficiency with which the negroes had devastated the country indicated the presence among them of a skill superior to any they could possess that skill was supplied by mulattoes who organized the destroying bands and directed their movements the bastard and degenerate race thus struck a deadly blow at their criminal parents during the progress of these furious excesses a new General Assembly of Planters opened its sessions under the title of Colonial Assembly. Its first act was an act of rebellion. Refusing to apply to France for aid and having taken measures of self-defense, it sought protection from England. These were the terms it employed in a letter addressed to the Governor of Jamaica. At Cap Francois, August twenty fourth, 1791 the general assembly of the french part of santo domingo deeply affected by the calamities which desolate santo domingo has resolved to send a deputation to your excellency in order to place before you a picture of the misfortunes which have fallen on this beautiful island fire lays waste our possessions the hands of our negroes in arms are already dyed with the blood of our brethren very prompt assistance is necessary to save the wreck of our fortunes already half destroyed and confined within the towns we look for your aid without awaiting a reply the general assembly adopted the round english hat as a uniform of its troops and substituted the black cockade for the french national colours the reply of the governor lord effingham did not come up to the expectations of the planters he merely sent five hundred muskets with some ammunition and commanded a vessel of fifty guns to cruise off the western coast meanwhile the black insurgents after augmenting their numbers by force as well as persuasion placed themselves under the standard of royalty they gave themselves the name of the king's own and their leader jean francois assumed the title of high admiral while his second in command became generalissimo of the conquered territories summoned to yield by blancheland governor of french haiti they replied sir we have never thought of failing in the duty and respect which we owe to the representative of the person of the king nor even to any of his servants whatever we have proofs of the fact in our hands but do you who are a just man as well as a general pay us a visit behold this land which we have watered with our sweat or rather with our blood those edifices which we have raised, and that in the hope of a just reward, have we obtained it? The king, the whole world, has bewailed our lot and broken our chains, while on our part we, humble victims, were ready for anything, not wishing to abandon our masters. What do we say? We are mistaken. Those who, next to God, should have proved our fathers, have been tyrants monsters unworthy of the fruits of our labors and do you brave general desire that as sheep we should throw ourselves into the jaws of the wolf no it is too late god who fights for the innocent is our guide he will never abandon us accordingly this is our motto death or victory in order to prove to you excellent sir that we are not so cruel as you may think we with all our souls wish for peace but on condition that all the whites whether of the plain or of the mountains shall quit the cape without a single exception let them carry with them their gold and their jewels we seek only liberty dear and precious object this general is our profession of faith and this profession we will maintain to the last drop of our blood we do not lack powder and cannons therefore liberty or death god grant that we may obtain freedom without the effusion of blood then all our desires will be accomplished and believe it has cost our feelings very much to have taken this course victory or death for freedom this assumption of the part of louis sixteen astounded and perplexed the planters the fact however was only too plain by means of the spaniards of haiti the counter-revolutionary party in France gave secret support to the insurgents, if they did not also call them forth, and, in order to impart feasibility and vigor to the movement, they gave out that the king's life had been put in danger by the whites, because he had resolved to emancipate the blacks. Strange reversals. While the colonists hoisted English colors, their slaves exhibited the white flag, with the words on one side, Long live the king! and on the other the ancient system of government the insurrection proceeded the negroes carried their arms from place to place and subduing all the open country reduced the colonists to the defensive as the contest went on horrors multiplied the planters hung on trees and hedges the dead bodies of their black prisoners the insurgents formed around their camp an enclosure marked by the bleeding heads of those who fell under their hands the fury of the negroes was stimulated by unworthy priests but even religion was powerless when it endeavored to place a barrier against tumultuous passion a priest was hung on the spot for the crime of trying to protect innocent women from brutal violation the superior discipline at the command of the colonists however began to prevail the negroes were checked and driven back their bands were directed by three chiefs jean francois bissau and genot jean francois belonged to a colonist of the name of papillon a young creole of good exterior he had not been able to bear the yoke of slavery though he had no special cause of complaint against his master he had long before the revolution obtained his liberty flying from the plantation he joined the maroons or black fugitives who wandered at large in the refuge of the mountains he was naturally of a mild disposition and inclined to clemency if his career was stained by cruelties the crime must be imputed to perfidious counsels of no great courage and little enterprise he owed his command to his intellectual superiority Bissau belonged to the religious body designated the fathers of charity a contrast in every respect to jean francois he was fiery rash wrathful and vindictive always in action always on horseback very suspicious and very aspiring he usurped the lead which the apathy of his principal almost let fall into his hands jean francois loved luxury fine clothes and grand equipages Bissot was given to women and drink. Jeannot, a slave of the plantation of M. Boulay, was small and slender in person, and of boundless activity. Perfidious of soul, his aspect was frightful and revolting. Capable of the greatest crimes, he was inaccessible to regret and remorse. Having sworn implacable hatred against the whites, he thrilled with rage when he saw them, and his greatest pleasure was to bathe his hands in their blood on his master's estate the chief theater of his crimes he was sure after committing a massacre to gather up in his hands the blood which flowed on all sides and carrying it to his mouth was heard to exclaim oh my friends how sweet how good this white blood let us take full draughts let us swear irreconcilable revenge against our oppressors Peace with them never, so help me God. Like cruel men in general, Jeannot was as cowardly as he was faithless. Yet was he daring in attack, and when danger pressed, his fear or his fury drove his troops to a resistance-proof against attack, or compelled them to snatch a victory by cutting off every way of retreat. Such were the men under whom Toussaint now found himself no longer able to choose the moment for commencing his benevolent enterprise he was hurried into the eddying torrent by the swelling streams of popular fanaticism his fidelity to his proprietors making him an object of suspicion and a butt for negro attack he was even in self-defense obliged to fall into the ranks of the raging insurgents generally known as much for his intelligence as his moderation He was the less likely to be spared, but dragged into the rebellion against his better feelings and his judgment, he was regarded with distrust. Withheld in consequence from the military post for which his talents fitted him, he was commanded to employ his medical skill in taking care of the wounded. Quietly and usefully employed in an office which was agreeable to his feelings, he, at a distance from the conflict, turned his naturally reflective mind— to the study of the personal qualities of his chiefs and so acquired an acquaintance with their weaknesses which greatly aided him in at length attaining supreme command that post he reached without disgracing himself by blood or pillage in a contest in which examples of both crowded on his sight he was by nature retiring and given to seclusion but in francois lafitte whom he had long known and whom he now found among the insurgents he had one companion with whom similarity of ideas and feelings made intercourse both pleasant and profitable it may well be supposed that these two men united in the bonds of goodness and philanthropy often deplored together the horrible excesses which they witnessed or of which they heard as however the insurrection passed on and especially when defeat made its conduct difficult the leaders found it imperative to bring forward all men of superior talent no longer therefore was toussaint permitted to pursue his medical occupations taken out of comparative privacy he was made aide-de-camp to Bissot. a grotesque spectacle did that negro army or rather those negro bands present the slaves were ridiculously attired in the spoils of their masters the cavalry were mounted on lumbering horses and mules worn down by labor and fatigue the horseman was armed with a musket almost as dangerous to himself as to his foe the infantry were all but naked and destitute of experience their weapons were sticks pointed with iron broken or blunted swords pieces of iron hoop and some wretched guns and pistols notwithstanding the alarm they inspired the troops were almost without ammunition jean francois decorated with ribbons and orders which he had plundered in the sack of the abodes of the proprietors gave himself out for a chevalier of the order of st louis besides taking to himself the titles of admiral and generalissimo bissot and genot were brigadiers a title which was fixed on toussaint the rest were marshals commanders generals colonels and some condescended to be captains at a later period bissau on having a disagreement with jean francois assumed the pompous title of viceroy of the conquered countries only an iron discipline could maintain any order in such a body of men the soldiers had sought liberty and for the moment found the severest bondage Disobedience was punished with severity, in the more flagrant instances with decapitation. Yet some regard was shown to the rights of property, for the stealer of cattle was hanged. The leaders of the insurrection feared each other. Jeannot's cruelties were held in abomination by Toussaint. Jean-Francois, by whom Jeannot was dreaded, resolved to disembarrass himself of the monster. Seizing his opportunity, he caused him to be apprehended tried by a summary process Genot was sentenced to be shot in this moment of peril the wretch who had shed so much blood and who had gloated over the sufferings of his victims proved how cowardly a soul he had he threw himself on his knees before jean francois supplicated pardon offered to purchase life by becoming his slave and when the priest came up to offer him spiritual aid he took him into his arms pressing body to body and was only by violence torn from him to be dragged to execution the whites although they had gained advantages in the war were scarcely less than the blacks agitated with mutual dissensions while they lost time and energy in discord the men of color assumed a formidable position under one of their caste named beauvais the movement had an excuse in the cruelties which the colonists perpetrated at the cape where seventeen mulattoes had been put to death without even the forms of a trial, and where daily fugitive slaves, even the most faithful, were, on seeking an asylum in the city, forthwith hanged, after having escaped the dangers of being massacred on their road by some of the white scouts who scoured the neighbourhood. On every side the grossest injustice prevailed. Crime was repaid with crime. Vengeance followed vengeance. Vengeance the civilized master degraded himself no less than the neglected slave between the two stood the mulatto the enemy of both and prepared to sacrifice either for his own aggrandizement the ease with which the mulatto betrayed the rights of the negro may be exemplified in the case of a number of men denominated the swiss in the ranks of the men of color were three hundred slaves who received the title of the swiss from the resemblance which their service bore to that of the swiss under the french monarchy used by the men of color and their warfare against the whites they were surrendered by the former at the demand of the latter the moment fortune began to frown on the mulatto cause consisting of men of color as well as negroes they were thrown on the coast of jamaica driven thence they either perished in the ocean or on the inhospitable shores of their birth Presenting in their sufferings and destruction a proof of the inhumanity of the whites and the perfidy of the mulattoes Disorder continued to increase it would be a tedious as well as painful task To recount the misdeeds that were done on all sides at the Cape by the colonists at La Grande Riviere by the Negroes and in the West by the mulattoes the leaders of the blacks began to feel that they had in hand a hopeless cause the liberation of the negro population was not possible in the presence of two powerful enemies the planters and their descendants consequently they were not disinclined to negotiate at this juncture there arrived in haiti three commissioners sent by the mother country on a mission of peace these were Rum, mirbeck and saint leger Rum, a creole of granada had been a councillor in that island, and afterwards a commissioner at Tobago. Under a simple and modest exterior, he possessed much knowledge. Of a phlegmatic disposition, he would have been inaccessible to the attacks of the factious, had not his ordinary fickleness called forth their efforts. Mirbeck, a celebrated advocate in the Council of State, where he had pleaded many causes for the colonists, was haughty and inflexible saint leger had long lived as a physician in tobago where he possessed slaves the first object of these three men was to appease the civil war which wasted the west and to stop the hurricane which covered the north with ruins they wisely began by causing the gallows of the planters at the cape to be demolished the news of their arrival induced the masters of slaves to open a negotiation Reynal and duplaisy the first a free mulatto the second a free negro being admitted to an audience by the colonial assembly received for answer emissaries of the revolted negroes the assembly established on the law and by the law cannot correspond with people armed against the law against all laws the assembly might extend grace to guilty men if being repentant they had returned to their duty Nothing would please its members better than to be in a condition to recognize those who, contrary to their will, have been hurried into guilt. We know how to measure out favors as well as justice. Withdraw! Withdraw to men who came with the olive branch in their hands. The deputies did withdraw. Indignation burning in their hearts, and curses murmured from their lips— They made their way through the spectators with a haughty brow and when that crowd tried to hoot them down they hastened to register a new outrage in the book of vengeance on the arrival of the deputies at la grande riviere the army of the population came together every one had fondly dreamt of union what was the disappointment when Reynal and duplaisy related the disdainful manner in which they had been treated cries of vexation and rage rent the air bissau unable to restrain his passion ordered all the whites detained in the camp to be put to death the necessary preparations were made when toussaint always humane intervened calmed his chief and saved the lives of the intended victims such is the ascendancy of goodness such is the power of that rapid animated and picturesque eloquence which toussaint possessed and which on very many other occasions he employed for merciful results of a similar kind we subjoin an instance Bissot, one day received from the cape a proclamation intended to win back the slaves the insurgent chief determined to publish it causing his soldiers to take their arms he ordered the proclamation to be read aloud Instantly, there arose the awful cry of Death to the whites. Toussaint shuddered, rushed forward, again read the proclamation with a commentary of his own. The result was that the desire for vengeance sank in those rude breasts, tears stole down their cheeks, and the prisoners were saved. Such a conquest is one of the highest achievements of humanity. A conference took place. There were present the commissioners, and Bouillet, a representative of the colonial assembly. Jean-Francois, leaving Bisseau at La Grande Rivière, hastened to La Petite-Anse, in the vicinity of the Cape, to take part in the conference. He was followed by a considerable troop of cavalry. Full of confidence in the representatives of the king, he proceeded to alight from his horse when Bouillet, seizing the bridle, struck him with his riding-whip. Jean-Francois might have taken instant revenge he simply withdrew to his soldiers who was the greater Saint-léger saw the evil effects this brutal act might occasion and unattended advanced toward Jean-Francois This act of confidence restored a friendly feeling a peaceful arrangement was entered into involving the emancipation of fifty persons an exchange of prisoners and the return of the slaves to their labors Jean-Francois required the liberation of his wife, who lay in the prisons of the Cape. There is no reason to believe that the request was complied with. But the insurgent, faithful to his word, the next day dismissed his prisoners, employing in the benevolent office the mild Toussaint and his equally mild friend Lafitte. Peace seemed at hand. Alas, it was very distant— the colonists displeased with the pacific tendencies of the commissioners endeavored to set aside their powers and required their obedience the mulattoes suffered disadvantages but could not be put down the negroes resumed their devastations on every side was disorder slaughter and ruin the pride and obstinacy of the planters rendered accommodation impossible their weakness exposed the colony to carnage the most frightful and depredations the most extensive. Meanwhile, Jean-Francois and Bissot were each too powerful and too ambitious to act cordially together. They came to an open quarrel, and drew off their several forces into two camps. Toussaint, now the principal aide-de-camp of Bissot, brought on himself the enmity of his rival, Jean-Francois, though hitherto he had succeeded in keeping on good terms with both the hostile feeling seems to have been called forth by Toussaint's intellectual pre-eminence. However, Toussaint, disregarding the dissensions of the generals, quietly and efficiently discharged his duties, and gradually gaining the esteem of the army, laid the foundations of the great influence which he was one day to exert on behalf of negro independence. He alone wept when he saw the hope of peace vanish. He alone remained unsullied by crime." while Jean-Francois and Bissot not only committed ravages and massacre, but even sold into slavery to the Spaniards many of the very men for whose liberty they pretended to be fighting and who were their companions in arms. End of book one, chapter six, recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.